My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. If you can act, then act. Stop, you know, um, delaying things, thinking there's always tomorrow. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we'll continue the conversation with the owner of Australian Property Advisor Group and best-selling author, Andrew Crossley. We delve into what investors should remember when buying a property. We also hear an incredible story about a time when Crossley was negotiating for his client and much, much more. We hear about some of Crossley's strategies when it comes to property investment and why he thinks you shouldn't stick to just one. I started off uh, slowly um, because I guess like a lot of people, I didn't want to go all guns blazing into the market uh, and, and borrow, you know, a million dollars for a property. Um, so I started off buying a couple of smaller townhouses or, or units. No, units are not apartments. Units that I'm talking about are, you know, one of four or one of ten on a block where it's got its own entrance, uh, where the uh, owner's corporation cost per year is low. The opposite of that would be buying in an apartment where you're paying lots more owner's corporation because there's more upkeep, there are lifts, there are common entrances. Um, I hate that sort of stuff because you compete against a lot more people for a tenant and for selling it. So mine have been uh, lower risk strategies of um, townhouses, uh, houses and units rather than apartments and some have been new uh, and some have been established or already built properties. So the ones that were new, um, like the townhouses, I only signed the purchase contract when the dwelling was a couple of weeks from certificate of occupancy rather than a year and a half earlier. So I wasn't risking the validity of my um, approval from the bank. Um, and, and so I've had a, a spread or mixed port, uh, a balanced portfolio, you could say, of some capital growth focused properties and some cash flow focused properties. And I think all too often um, people investing in property get caught up in one strategy over another. So they only they think uh, they should only buy in a blue chip suburb 
uh, for a million dollars. Um, but forgetting that the yield might only be 2% or 2.5%. And so if that is vacant at any point in time, that person is now exposed to, let's say, an 800 grand debt against a million dollar property. Uh, and that's a lot of um, outlay, a lot of negatively geared um, situations out there that people have put themselves into. Rather than sticking to one way of thinking, Crossley is simply looking for the best properties in the best areas. Compromising on one to try to achieve another. I don't want to compromise completely on growth just to get yield. That's mad. Buying in a one-horse town is mad um, because you know you, you're chasing yield, uh, but you're going to lose potentially uh, a lot of the value. So I always buy in areas where good population growth, good government spending, uh, good amenities, good transport, um, and uh, somewhere where if one industry dies, lots of people will stay. So if I'm going to go regional, it'll be a huge population, you know, 50,000, let's say, or more, um, to get higher yield. And if I want growth, I would buy, of course, closer to the CBD of, of, of Melbourne or Sydney. Of course, lately, it might be, um, you know, some suburbs in Hobart. Is Crossley more of a residential or commercial developer? Personally, uh, residential. Uh, my other release book is uh, commercial property and residential development made simple, help those sort of clients. Uh, but mine, personally, and the clients I generally assist are a residential. We learn about Crossley's clientele and what age bracket they usually fall under and how he helps them find the right property. The ones that I've helped clients with have been usually a block of land that could be carved up into, you know, two or three. Um, I haven't done the, you know, the, the, the 10 unit or dwelling developments. Uh, a lot of my clients uh, are more your mum and dad investors. Uh, that want to um, have a manageable risk level that won't negatively impact on their lifestyle uh, and they're happy to um, manage that risk and not get carried away with the, the uh, you know, too optimistically with, you know, way, way down in the future. So usually two dwellings on a single title uh, and buying an area where there's a precedent, the council will more likely approve the, the subdivision of that. And then, of course, that gives you options to keep one and sell one, or keep both, and, and manufacture capital growth by, you know, the sum of the parts being created are worth more than the original whole. And that way you're manufacturing uh, more rental income as well as more capital growth rather than just re- being reliant on the market and that's that's a and people can do that with their normal you know investment in residential property of a single dwelling on a single title is rather than having interest only repayments for the life of the or as long as you can um, consider if it's right for you to convert it to principal and interest because if you're reducing the debt you're widening the gap between the debt and the value and therefore, eventually, when you have to, uh, you know, live off the passive income from 
uh, what your properties are hopefully giving you, uh, there's fewer properties you have to sell to pay off the debt on the others because you've already spent many years reducing the debt on those properties. So, uh, that, of course, that comes with a, um, a caveat that you know you've already paid off your home loan because your home loan isn't giving you any tax deductions, uh, whereas an investment property debt is more likely to be giving you deductions. We find out about the steps that you can take if you want to achieve your property goals and he uses an example from his best-selling book, The 100K Property Plan. There are six main steps in the process I follow. The first step would be to understand your your risk profile, your your appetite, Um, of course, looking at your age, looking at your job stability and your health, uh, looking at your assets, your liabilities, your income, uh, your future goal of how much income you think you need, uh, and also the amount of income you've got spare every week or every month that you can dedicate towards uh, investing in property uh, because property generally is not going to be positively geared. Uh, so there's going to be an out-of-pocket expense. Um, so whether you can afford that. And so you, will, you, you, you work backwards from what your end goal might be. Your end goal might be to live off 40 grand a year or, or 80. Uh, 100 is a nice round number that's certainly achievable for you know, more people than what uh, many people might think. Uh, but if you can start off by assessing your situation first and then you put a plan in place, you just don't go out there and buy a property and, and, and sort of throw caution to the wind. You have to buy a property that's suitable to your your income and to your goal and to your amount of um, equity. So if you are limited in how much equity you've got in your home or, or cash you've got, then you might want to consider buying a property that's going to be capital growth focused to you know grow more quickly in value to then give you more equity to then use that as a deposit for your next purchase. But if you are in need of more equity to build a portfolio and you only buy cash flow focused properties, you're going to be waiting a longer time to see any equity growth in that property that's going to be of any use. Um, likewise, if you've got a, an average or lower income, uh, the way that the bank's borrowing capacity calculators are changing with um, their scrutinising of living expenses lately, uh, which, by the way, does somewhat mitigate the lower assessment rates they're now preaching as being really good, um, then you're going to need perhaps a cash flow-focused property to increase your income coming into your house so you can then afford to borrow more for the next property. So everyone's different. In my book, I could, there's a 1,000 different scenarios I could have used, but nobody wants to read a, a 2,000-page book. Um, so I used um, what I consider a fairly uh, typical scenario of a, of a couple uh, in their low to mid-40s uh, with two kids. Uh, and, of course, not everyone falls into the boat, and, and I'm sure that some of your listeners may argue that's not fair and I should have modelled a single adult, but I can't model everything. Contact me for me to model something for them if they're really interested. But um, I modelled two adults, two kids, both couple, uh, both of the couple are working, household income of about 140 grand a year. Um, and 
they're smarter in their life. They don't have 20 credit cards. Uh, they don't have 10 kids. <laughs> so they what they're doing. Uh, and they only needed four properties uh, to hit their goal after 15, 20 years of $100,000 a year. So there are some people out there that preach you should have 10 properties, and that's just stupid. Um, you know, what matters is um, what the properties are, not how many you have. He explains what his book, The 100K Property Plan, can teach you and where you can find it if you want to check it out. So the 100K Property Plan book covers uh, the steps you need to take to better improve your chances of getting on track to achieving a better outcome. Uh, it's certainly not uh, saying that um, you're going to um, be in a position to be ready here, but um, I've modelled um, a, a real uh, avatar, uh, you know, a couple and two kids of that it was possible for them and it may well be possible for a lot of other people out there. So highlighting that, it, uh, that something is possible that people may not have thought was uh, and even if you get to 40 grand a year or 50 grand a year income, um, which is all that's needed for a lot of people in the future uh, for relative to their current standards perhaps, um, or what they will need then it is certainly possible. You just it teaches you the steps you need to put into place, and to have a plan. Uh, if you put a plan in place, you're more likely to succeed, and you're more likely to have each property that you buy complement you, and also each other property. And so you can buy it at uh, most good bookstores. Um, and it will soon be in libraries or you can look at it on amazon.com.au, uh, the 100K property plan by me. He identifies why the location of where you buy and what property you buy are so important and we hear a fascinating negotiation story. 80% of the solution is where you buy and then uh, the rest of the solution is what you buy in that location, you know, which street how far from the train, uh, and the type of dwelling. So in a, in a family-type um, demographic of a suburb, um, it may be a great suburb, but you don't buy a one-bedroom apartment there uh, if the predominant um, demographic is families because it'll take longer to rent it out, you might have to drop your rent, you'll then earn money, and it won't grow as much in value because there's less demand. Uh, where and what, and have someone negotiate for you. Because often um, I can tell you a success story, if you like, of a client using me to negotiate for them. Uh, so in the southeastern suburbs of, of Melbourne a few years ago, uh, this client came to me and wanted to buy a, uh, a dwelling and I determined that out of um, you know, all the suburbs they could buy for their budget, I think their budget at the time was $450, um, I, I, I drilled down to the two suburbs we should focus on out of the 519 suburbs within 60K of Melbourne, previous growth, current growth, future growth potential, days on market yield, and, and 20 other data points in correlation with each other. And I found a property that suited the demographic, that was in high demand, short supply, uh, that would rent equity and grow in value uh, and sell easily. 
And so we put an offer of four twenty nine, and I figured it was worth about four fifty. Our offer was rejected. Another person offered four thirty three. The, the, and look, this is important that with an investment property, don't get carried away with emotion. Don't just keep offering more just because you're desperate for it. That's maybe what people do with the house they want to live in, uh, but not for an investment. You need to be a bit smarter with your decision making and what you're prepared to just spend and then walk away from. So we um, walked away. Another offer was accepted at 433, but that other offer, uh, their finance wasn't approved. And so the agent came back to me and said, oh, look, you know, uh, that other offer fell through. Can you still go ahead at 429? I said, no, uh, you rejected our offer. Uh, I'm only prepared to offer you 410 now. <laughs> and, um, and back and forth, and um, we got it for 416. Now, my client admitted that had they not used me, they would have just uh, been willing to still offer 429. So they saved, um, you know, 15 grand roughly, um, uh, give or take a grand or two by uh, using me rather than trying to do it themselves. Investors or buyers out there need to remember who is working for them and who is not. I think the the golden rule out there is, uh, which people tend to forget rather too easily, is a real estate agent uh, that is engaged by the vendor is not there to help the buyer secure the property at the best price for the buyer. They don't care about the buyer as much as they do the seller. So they're not interested in trying to save the buyer money. They're interested in trying to get the best price for the seller. And people need to be aware of that, that uh, there are some good agents out there, sure, but get someone that represents the buyer to help deal with the person who's actually representing the seller. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Andrew Crossley's best-selling books. The more people I can help uh, in making a better, more informed decision, the better. To help people, help protect people out there. Some great advice that he can give. From a profound life sense, um, I would say... Uh, just try to enjoy life every day. Um, you never know what tomorrow will bring uh, and you know, spend time with those you love because you never know. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Sharm and you're listening to Property Investory. Crossley wrote some of his best-selling books because he wanted to educate and help people that did not have the experience and knowledge on what to do. I wrote the books because having talked to a lot of clients and a lot of people in general, uh, people don't know what they don't know. Uh, they don't know the importance of a quantity surveyor or even what one is. Um, they may not have thought about using a property inspector or pest inspector or don't know when. Uh, uh, they have to use them or the usual terms that go into the contract to use one. Um, some people don't even know what a conveyancer is. Um, so my first book, Property Investing Made Simple, was uh, about the whole process of, of buying a property. The more people I can help in making a better, more informed decision, 
the better. To help people, help protect people out there uh, in not going to someone who's trying to sell you something, but you someone who can sift through all the, you know, um, properties out there and separate the, the crap from the better locations and the better properties and the better builders because there are some shocking builders out there, uh, some dodgy ones out there and some really good ones out there. Buyers just don't know how to um, disseminate uh, and sift through uh, the quality of uh, dwelling, the quality of location, the quality of provider, um, you know, what they can negotiate, what they can't, how to negotiate. So the first book was more about helping people and the books since, um, you know, property finance made simple. Uh, was, you know, people think if you just go to a bank, um, then you're fine. But that's the worst thing you can do when it comes to getting a loan. If you go to uh, one bank, no matter how big their brand is, they will only offer you their products and their borrowing capacity. And if they get your name off you, they most likely will do a credit check on your personal credit file. And if you're shopping around and walking around into branches of banks, uh, you could start incurring lots of credit inquiries on your credit file. And the more you have, the more unwanted you will be by the next lender because it looks like you're a debtaholic uh, or a debt shopper. So it's much wiser to use a mortgage broker to shop around for you and do all the work for you. And so that book was more about, uh, you know, making a better decision with your finance strategy um, in order to improve your chances of building a portfolio. Crossley is not only writing books for adults looking to invest, he's also a best-selling children's book author. I, in fact, have written four um, children's books that have become bestsellers and um they're called Billy and Harry Adventures. You know, Billy and Harry love to play there on Amazon and uh, Billy and Harry go camping. And my two kids are the characters. Uh, and it's about a horse and a dog on lots of adventures. And I did that as a fun. And it's lovely when I see my 10-year-old daughter uh, looking at a picture of uh, the character, which is her, and critiquing how she's dressed. Uh, and that's, it's lovely. And um, so that was a bit of fun that I've started to do is, is write those books and then I've started to take it, you know, more seriously and getting them into bookstores and, and uh, Amazon and, and uh, writing a whole series. Getting them into primary schools because the, the, the simple words I've used in those books, uh, you know, are helpful for uh, uh, kindergarten prep, perhaps grade one. So I'm keen to meet lots of, you know, um, hear from lots of primary school teachers who want to reach out and get copies for their schools. Uh, perhaps they can contact me via you. Um, from a, um, a property uh, side of things, I would say if you can afford to, have principal and interest repayment instead of interest only. Because that way you reduce your debt quicker and uh, the more you reduce your debt, the more uh, positive your cash flow is from your properties earlier in life so you don't necessarily have to wait till you're 65 to to recognize the fruits of your labor uh, you can have options in your life earlier in your life 
the more passive income or positive cash flow you have. There are many different ways to become inspired and for Crossley, it was from a well-renowned author. I've over time talked to a lot of accountants, uh, conveyances, uh, mortgage brokers, uh, property companies, um, I, I guess a mentor, Robert Giostarki. Uh He wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, a lot of people consider a boat or a car uh, an asset. Uh, if it's not making you money, it's a liability, it's not an asset. So all these 40-year-olds that are having midlife crises and they buy Harley, well, <laughs> then, you know, I would say to you, you know, maybe think twice about is that responsible? Um, because unless it's making you money, it's a liability. And so Robert Kiyosaki really taught me the importance of um, not just, you know, the Jones factor, you know, what to strive to do, such as, you know, lots of people want to live in, you know, Brighton or Baldwin or Turak because it makes them look good or because it's a better suburb. I'm thinking, well, I was prepared to compromise on where I lived to then uh, have enough borrowing capacity to start buying investment properties rather than using it all just to buy in the best suburb, you know, compromising a little bit on, on where you live to then, so you're thinking about today, but you're also thinking about the future rather than just balancing living for today and, and, and enjoying life, but also living for tomorrow and providing a legacy for my children. He wants people to go out and achieve their dreams. Don't wait, just get out there and act. Start as early as you can in buying property. There's no point waiting until you're 50 to buy your first property. Of course, some people don't have a choice, and it's better to do something than nothing. But if you do have choices um, and options, then why wait? Why procrastinate? Why keep going to bed thinking there's always tomorrow? So the best advice I've had is if you can act, then act. Stop you know, um, delaying things thinking there's always tomorrow. And also do your research. What does he contribute a great amount of his success to and why does he think so? Staying fit and healthy because without health, you've got nothing. So there's a lot of people out there that um, you know, perhaps might have better health or fitness um, if they lead a healthier lifestyle. Uh, I, I found certainly for me, you know, if I was a smoker or a heavy drinker, then um, I wouldn't have the uh, commitment to myself. Uh, that I think you need. So, um, you know, I maintain a healthy lifestyle, uh, exercise, um, don't drink too much, and, uh, yeah, of course, I'm always in for a drink, but um, uh, I, I've learned, of course, as I get older, how, how bad you feel the next day. Being healthy and fit is an important aspect of his life. More seriously, because I, I don't want to judge anyone, is is um, trying to maintain a healthy lifestyle and remaining focused on my goal and remaining committed to why I'm doing it and I'm doing it for my family. It is important to work extremely hard to reach your goals but a moment in his life showed him how important it was to find balance as well. From a profound life sense, um, I would say uh, just try to enjoy life every day. 
Um, you never know what tomorrow will bring. Uh, and you know, spend time with those you love because you never know. I lost mum a couple of years ago uh, and that was unexpected. And um, she was only 73 and it, 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 made, it made me realise. So I would have said to myself back then, spend more time with my mother uh, and you know, spend more time with quality friends uh, and um, with family and, and watching my kids grow up rather than, you know, spending too much time uh, working try to have a balance between uh, my kids getting to know me because a lot of fathers are not there because they're too busy working, of course, for provide for their family, but often uh, it's regret they have later in life when they realise if only I spent more time with my kids, I might have a better relationship with them. So uh, I've been guilty of, you know, working hard and I, I would have probably uh, had more of a balance in life and, and so at least I'm doing that now. He has numerous qualifications and has worked long and hard to get to where he is today. Um, I don't think I've um, ever put anything down to luck. Um, look, I've, I've worked hard um, for myself and also to give as much value to my clients. I, look, I, I did a, a master's degree in commercial law and a, an MBA and a master's in commerce and I did an advanced diploma in financial planning and a diploma in mortgage banking. So I've tried to accumulate as much knowledge as possible and I'm fully licensed as a real estate agent in New South Wales and Victoria. So all that knowledge and study uh, has benefited me in, in my personal property journey and it's something I use and leverage off to benefit my clients because there's nothing worse than going to a, you know, an alleged property specialist and they only have a certificate for they own one property. Um, it's like going to a financial planner and the financial planner is giving advice on buying shares and they don't own any themselves. Um, and people need to go to a property advisor because a financial planner under their financial services licensed are not authorised to give advice on specific properties. So you can't go to a financial planner for a property, um, specific property advice, which is another um, thing that people may not be aware of. If you want to get in contact with Crossley, he provides the details of where you can do so. So they can email me, Andrew at APAG, A for Peter, A for Apple, P for Peter, A for Apple, G for Golf. So APAG, uh, short for Australian Property Advisory Group, uh, .com.au. Uh, and my contact um, uh, number is also on my website, Australian Property Advisory Group.com.au. And also in my books. Thank you to Andrew Crossley, our guest on this episode of Property Invest Story. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com.au. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. 
Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. 